Looking to keep pace with the 49ers in the NFC West, the Seahawks will be seeking a second consecutive victory when the Panthers come to Lumen Field on Sunday. What does Pete Carroll's team need to do to get it done on Sunday and keep pace with San Francisco? Nick Lee and I are going to be breaking it all down on a Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings 12, this is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for our Blue Friday episode, my co-host Nick Lee. A special thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. We've got a jam-packed Blue Friday episode coming your way. We're going to be breaking down a game plan to defeat the Carolina Panthers on Sunday. The Seahawks looking to keep pace with the 49ers in the NFC West before their rematch coming up next Thursday. We've got our weekly X-Factors, what the Seahawks need to do to win, and of course, our game predictions as well. So welcome aboard. Let's get rolling here. Now for your lead story on our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. The good news for the Seahawks heading into Sunday's Week 14 clash with the Panthers, they don't have any players that have been ruled out. The somewhat bad news, there are two running backs that it's looking like it's going to be maybe difficult for them to get on the field, including starting running back Ken Walker the third. He and DJ Dallas both sat out again for a third straight practice on Friday with ankle injuries that they suffered last week in the win over the Rams. And Nick, this has been the talking point all week. Who is going to be in the backfield for the Seattle Seahawks? And I guess if you're looking for a silver lining here, Travis Homer practiced all week. Pete Carroll said today he's good to go. He's not even on the final injury report. And they've also got Tony Jones Jr. available. And they also signed Wayne Gallman to their practice squad, formerly of the Giants and the Falcons, a veteran experienced running back. But still, the big talking point has been, will Ken Walker III be available? And right now, he and DJ Dallas, they are squarely the textbook definition of game time decisions. And with the 49ers looming next Thursday, that may lean the Seahawks towards resting one or both of these players on Sunday. Yeah, I think you bring up a really good point about the looming Thursday night game, short week, short rest, because what you'd hate to have happen is you, you give them a go and they, they you know, they're, they're obviously not going to be 100 percent. No one is this time of year, but you give it a go with them and something bad happens or they, they just can't get it. And it makes it worse, exacerbates an injury, a new one or however it happens. And then they're unavailable for Thursday night. I think if there's a chance they can be significantly healthier for that Thursday night matchup with the 49ers. I know the, the Seahawks are in no position uh, to be able to take any game for granted, any game. Uh, you can't mail in any games right now that they are not in that position if they want to make the playoffs. And the Panthers are no joke. We'll dive into that later. Um, but it's this, it's really, it's, I mean, it's one of the reasons why, you know, head coaches make big bucks. They make decisions like this because you, know, you really need your all your horses in the stable for that Thursday night game against the Niners because that has NFC West championship implications. Um, but also this game has, you know, with the Panthers in the NFC and, and you can't afford to slip up. You need you need to, to have a run game there. So it might be the Travis Homer show. We'll see. Um, Travis Homer has only one career game of double digit carries, uh, just a couple spot starts or maybe one or two. I don't remember how many, but um, you'd love to see at least one of them. If I had my pick, you know, if, if Dallas can go and maybe rest Walker, 
that would be my preference if one of them can go. I really would like to see Kenneth Walker get get healthier for that Thursday night game. But if both of them are really banged up and you you're feeling like you got to force the issue with both of them, I would opt for not and just kind of seeing you know roll the dice a little bit against the Panthers. And I think the addition of Wayne Goleman is going to give them a little bit more flexibility because that is the type of veteran that can come in. And Pete Carroll was talking about it today. He's already made a positive impression. He can play special teams. He can pass protect. He's got decent hands out of the backfield. That's a guy that you could plug in after a couple practices. And he's going to be able to do what you ask him to do in a reserve role behind Travis Homer and Tony Jones Jr. Quite frankly, I'm intrigued by Tony Jones Jr. from what I saw last week. I mean, he was playing most of that second half missing a contact that got knocked out on that illegal hit that was on him. And so that impacted his play a little bit, but he had a couple really nice runs between the tackles. There was a couple of plays he got blown up in the backfield where it wouldn't matter who the running back was. Bobby Wagner was going to sit him down. So I saw enough from him, though, to be thinking, you know, this kid could maybe potentially be a decent rotational back. And he's got experience pass blocking, catching passes out the backfield, playing at Notre Dame with the Saints as well at the beginning of his NFL career. So there's some reason to believe the Seahawks can maybe get by with those three running backs. They got a couple other guys in the practice squad if they want to elevate two of them to the active roster just to have some insurance they have flexibility there and a lot of those guys can play special teams as well so it's kind of a double whammy you can help your third unit as well as your backfield on the offensive side of the football now let's get to the really good news three other players were listed as questionable on the Seahawks injury report DK Metcalf had a new hip injury that cropped up on Thursday he did not practice today but do not fear Seahawks fans it was just precautionary the Seahawks are giving him a day off Pete Carroll said that he is ready to roll. So he's going to be playing. It sounds like Neil and Will Disley, the two other players that were listed as questionable, they both practiced on Friday as well. Neil was a full participant. Disley was limited, but Pete Carroll made it sound like both of those players would be ready to go on Sunday. So all three of those starters should be in the lineup against the Carolina Panthers. Really, the only question mark is at running back. And so relatively speaking, Nick, this is still a pretty healthy football team. Even They do have a few veterans that are not quite 100% going into this game on Sunday. Yeah, the list isn't uh, – it's it's not quite as long as my Christmas list, so that, that's a good sign. Um, or my son's, his Christmas list, I think, grows every single day. He told me just this morning he wants a Darth Maul action figure, so I'll have to figure that out. Anyway, um, so the, the Seahawks are pretty healthy. They're pretty lucky there. Um, the Panthers had their own running back with uh, with health issues, but it looks like Deontay Foreman will be a participant in the, in, in the game Sunday. Again, we'll dive into it because that could uh, – if, if – if Foreman can go and the Seahawks are down two, three running backs, obviously that uh, that doesn't spell well for the Seahawks, especially with how they've done in the run game. Um, so the Panthers are going to this game fairly healthy as well. Yeah, they only have four players listed as questionable. And based off of what their interim coach, Steve Wilkes, said today, Corey Littleton, former Ram, formerly played at the University of Washington. Miles Hartsfield, a young corner that's missed some time recently. Matt uh, Ionotis, uh, and then Xavier Woods, their safety with a knee issue, all four of those players, according to Wilkes, should have a good chance to play on Sunday. So the Panthers are going to be at full strength going into this football game, most likely. Maybe one of those guys ends up sitting out. Sometimes we see that happen on Sunday when coaches are optimistic on Friday. We've certainly seen that with Pete Carroll in the past. But Seattle's feeling pretty good about their injury list. Carolina absolutely feeling good about theirs with Foreman being healthy. And one last thing here real quick before we get to our game plan. I do want to mention that Pete Carroll today did talk about Jamal Adams, who was actually in town today meeting with trainers to do a 
progressive check on his rehab. And it sounds like he is making really good progress, but that does not mean we're going to be having that miraculously uh, miraculous recovery where Jamal Adams rolls out in the playoffs and he's ready to go. No, according to Pete Carroll, he's going to need the whole off season to recover from this injury. And that's not surprising to me. If you know anything about quad tears and surgeries, uh, that's usually a very long rehab. It's a difficult injury to come back from. So the good news is he is on target or maybe ahead of schedule, uh, but he is not going to be playing again this year. We won't see number 33 until training camp next July, maybe even middle of training camp, because this is a long road back. It's a difficult injury. So take the good news with the bad, but he certainly is making progress and he's been showing it on his social media accounts as well. So best wishes to Jamal as he continues his rehab and we'll be looking forward to seeing him play again next year. Just unfortunately won't get to see Jamal Adams out there with the Seahawks again this season, regardless of how deep they end up going into the postseason. Up next, Nick and I are going to be breaking down a game plan for a Seahawks victory on offense and defense, some keys on both sides of the football. We'll get to those here in a minute in our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Life can be full of challenges. Recently, our family has undergone significant strife with family members dealing with debilitating health issues, and it's been a struggle for me coping with it mentally. Life can be full of twists and turns, so it's important to show yourself through it all, and BetterHelp Online Therapy will assess your needs and can match you with your own licensed professional therapist in less than 48 hours. Therapy worked wonders for me, but don't just take my word for it. Having someone in your corner to guide you when you're struggling to navigate obstacles can be invaluable. This isn't a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online, available to people worldwide. With therapy, it can take a few tries to find the right fit for you. BetterHelp is a great way to invest in yourself, and BetterHelp has a special offer for all of our listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn. That's 10% off your first month of online therapy at BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for today's show, my co-host, Nick Lee. Thanks to all the 12s out there, whether you're in Mexico, Canada, or you're way over in Japan. Thanks for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. All right, Nick, let's get to our weekly keys for a Seahawks victory. Now, you look at the records. The Carolina Panthers are coming into this football game at four and eight, four games under 500. That normally doesn't sound like a team that is dangerous, but ever since they fired Matt Rule, they've gone three and four. They're almost a 500 football team with their interim coach, Steve Wilkes. They're giving up less than 14 points per game in their last three games. So the defense has been firing on all cylinders really ever since that blowout loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. They've been really good ever since that game that just kind of snowballed on them. So let's look at the Seahawks on offense as far as keys to victory, because this is not going to be a pushover defense that they are going against. There's a lot of young talent. There's a lot of first and second round picks that are stars on this defense. And it seems like those guys are getting the most out of their talent in the last two or three games with Steve Wilkes really running the show. And it's really been a change of culture there. Looks to me like he's got maybe a slight chance to get that job going into 2023 with the way this defense is playing. What's the first thing you think the Seahawks have to do going into this matchup against the Carolina Panthers to be able to win this football game on the offensive side of the ball? Well, the, something that the Seahawks have struggled with all season, and that's in the red zone. This is, I think this is a game where both teams want to run the ball and control the clock, and so the, the possessions might be a little bit limited with maybe shortening the game a little bit and, uh, and controlling the time of possession. So when you get down there, 
you gotta cash in. Uh, and the, the Seahawks are four and one when they have greater than a fifty percent red zone. Um, the the pan or the only one is that ridiculous Raiders game. Um, almost throw that out the window a little bit. That was just a. I mean, obviously that wasn't their fault. Um, the offense's fault. So uh, and the rate the uh, Panthers have a. 13th ranked red zone defense. So they, they actually have been holding their own and that's been even better in the last few weeks, like you mentioned. So this is actually a pretty decent red zone defense. And then the Seahawks who have struggled um, for the majority of the year in the red zone themselves. And so it's not a great matchup in that way. And so when you get down in the red zone, the Seahawks need to not settle for three, get six and seven, the old cliche, because I think this is a game again, where it's a run running probably game, maybe a bit lower scoring, limited possessions, cash in when you can yeah typically when you think about games like that field goals can feel like touchdowns if it's a low scoring affair but if you really want to get this game put away the way that teams like the Cincinnati Bengals have done to this Panther squad this year you got to find a way when you get the ball moving downfield and you get in the red zone you got to punch it in because the way to let a team that's four games under 500 stick around is to settle for field goals or God forbid, turn the football over near the red zone. We've seen that happen for the Seahawks offense as well. So absolutely, you can say that for every game, but I think especially in this matchup, this is a game where the Seahawks, when they get down there, they might not let, they might not get a lot of chances in the red zone against this Panthers defense. So when you do, you need to capitalize on it and finish. Now, being the former running back and former running back coach that I am, this is not going to surprise any of our listeners at all. But this is a game. I don't care if Ken Walker III and or DJ Dallas cannot play in this football game. You are going to have to find a way to find balance on offense. You can't go into this matchup and expect Geno Smith as great as he's been. And this is not on him necessarily. I think he can throw the football in any secondary in the NFL. He's been that good. But this is a scary matchup, in my opinion, when you're considering the pass rushers that the Panthers have, some of the secondary talent they have. They've got a premier shutdown corner in J.C. Horn. They've got Brian Burns, who has racked up more than 50 pressures and double-digit sacks this year. He has been a monster. That's going to be a major task for the two rookie tackles, Abraham Lucas and Charles Cross. How can you mitigate those two players Get the running game going. And this has been a Panthers defense that they've been up and down. There have been games they've been pretty good against the run. And there have been games like the Cincinnati game where Joe Mixon and company just carved them up. So they can be vulnerable. As much talent as they have in the interior, they can get beat up. You can physically win against them. The Seahawks have not been able to do that often. But I think this is a game where they absolutely can do that. And if the offensive line is winning, I have faith that Travis Homer and Tony Jones Jr. and Wayne Gallman, or if they bring in another running back on the practice squad, whoever they put back there, Penny Hart, for God's sakes, whoever's running the football back there that has experience as a running back, I think can have some success against this defense if the offensive line can set the tone early at home get physical up front. If you're able to do that, I, I like the Seahawks' chances of being able to run the football better than they have for the better portion of a month. Have a solid game running the football, open up your play action off it, and then that's going to protect Geno Smith a bit more from Brian Burns, give him more chances maybe to get some of those downfield throws. But this run game has to be there. I don't care who's playing there at the running back position. It's really calling out the offensive line. Take advantage of the opponent that you have here. If there is a weak point for this Panthers defense, it has been teams that have been able to get physical with them. 
get that downhill run game going. So the onus falls in the offensive line. If they can get the job done, Seattle should be able to run the ball, and that's going to make it a lot easier for them to do everything else they want to do on offense, considering the talent the Panthers have on defense. Yeah, I think what we've learned the last few years that the whole like running backs don't matter thing is is kind of out the window, but a lot of it does rest on the offensive line. If you have a good enough game plan in the run game, uh, you, you can get a Wayne Gallman who, you know, Two years ago was just a few yards short of 700 for the season with the Giants, I and mean, he's he's a he's a decent hedge back there. So if you got got a competent running back back there with the offensive line stepping up, you, you can find ways, especially with the the Panthers being the 25th ranked defense. Um, again, with the Seahawks being the 25th in run block win rates, and with the injuries, that's a little bit worrisome. Um, another another one that might help with that is to stretch the field offensively. The horizontal passing game hasn't been great um, against uh, against the Panthers. Again, you mentioned J.C. Horn, a pretty darn good corner there. Um, and and you got to find ways to open it up because if you start kind of putting yourself in a box against this defense, um, that, that's when the Panthers can hurt you, especially, you know, Brian Burns, sixth in the NFL and all the NFL in uh, quarterback hurries. So he's going to be a problem. And to, in a way to, to kind of mitigate that, again, getting the run game going and then stretching the field a little bit more and so, so you don't get, you don't feel boxed in. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out because that was another key for me going to this game. It's kind of, it's one of those double-edged swords when you're talking about an opponent that can rush the passer as well as Carolina can, at least Brian Burns. And they've had some other players stepping up in recent weeks with their defensive resurgence. Yitzhak Gross Matos is playing much, be- much better as of late. They got a couple other guys off the edge that can get after the quarterback too. But you've got to find a way to get some explosives downfield because Carolina does have some secondary guys that there's question marks about. Dante Jackson's done for the season, so they're missing their number two corner. And C.J. Henderson, the former number 10 overall pick for the Jaguars, has been awful this year for the Panthers. He's been one of the worst corners in the league in a number of metrics. Near the bottom in passer rating, he's given up three touchdowns, a completion rate around 75%. So he has been a player that opposing quarterbacks have been able to exploit. And there have been some explosives against this defense. As good as they've been playing recently, that has been an issue for them. So can you get some of those downfield passes? You're going to have to to move the ball against this team because they're dead last in the NFL in terms of giving up yards after the catch. They're 10th in air yards. So this has been a team that you can move the ball through the air on downfield a little bit. If you're throwing the short intermediate passing game and you're looking to create after the catch, This defense has been very good with the athletes that they have at all three levels at shutting down ball carriers and limiting them to yardage once they have the football in their hands. And so this doesn't feel like a game where the Seahawks, a team that historically has not been great at getting yak anyway, it doesn't feel like a game they're going to be able to do that very much. They're going to have to get some of those chunk plays somehow. And that's another reason that run game to me is pretty important to try to create those opportunities for the downfield passing game. Let's flip the script now, Nick. Let's go Seahawks on defense against the Panthers on offense. The Panthers' defense has been so good. On offense, this has been far from a juggernaut. And I think, and Rob and I were joking about this the other day, I think they've played 14, 15, 16 quarterbacks this year is what it feels like. And it's just been musical chairs there. They've got some talent, and they've been able to run the football really well since Steve Wilkes took over. That's really been the difference for this team winning three of their past seven games since Wilk was installed as the head coach. And I think you and I are probably in agreement that that is priority one, two, and three, especially with Dante Foreman being healthy and ready to go in this game. 100%. You got to stop the run. And I know that Seahawks fans are maybe wringing their hands a little bit about what Josh Jacobs did a couple weeks ago, understandably. Um, 
my my caveat to that is that the Seahawks admitted that they've focused so much on stopping Devontae Adams uh, of, of the Raiders that it really left the door open for Josh Jacobs to kick it down, and he did. I'm not sure the Panthers have it. DJ Moore is a fine receiver. Um, he's not Devontae Adams, and I don't think he should be getting the Devontae Adams treatment. So it, I, I think that there's some ways where the Seahawks will improve. I don't see Deontay Foreman having – Dante Foreman having this, you know, Josh Jacobs like game because the Seahawks just got caught with their pants down really scheme wise against Josh Jacobs. I don't think that's going to happen again. So I really think that this is an opportunity for them to improve. But yes, that is it is public enemy number one to stop the running game, because, yeah, if, if you let them run on you, uh, everyone knows, you know, everything else opens up. Sam Darnold gets comfortable. Um, and it, you know you're having a bad day when Sam Darnold gets comfortable against you. So you don't want that to happen. And that all starts with with not letting him run the ball. The, the, the Panthers have the 17th ranked uh, running 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 def- running offense, excuse me, and only the 29th passing. So they're they really are one dimensional, but they've done the running game pretty well. Um, and yeah, it's been all it's been musical chairs. They've had Jacob Eason back there <laughs> for for a few attempts. You know, the Baker Mayfield who just won a game on Thursday night for the Rams. I mean, just it's been crazy. Um, but I think there's bit they've they've found a bit of stability with that run game, especially with Foreman being healthy. That is absolutely a, a pinnacle uh, aspect of this game. Yeah, I think when you look at this matchup, you know, a lot of times Nick on this episode on Friday. We do talk X's and O's. We talk scheme-related stuff. This does not feel like a game to me for the Seahawks where it's necessarily going to boil down to scheme-heavy related game planning for them. I think this is a Joe's versus Joe's game, not an X's and O's game. And what I mean by that, the Panthers, it's obvious what they are going to do coming in this game. Deontay Foreman's had his best success this year running gap runs. So power, counter, lead dive, ISO, get him downhill with his 236-pound frame and let him break tackles, let him drag piles. The Raiders did that two weeks ago to near perfection against the Seahawks. They were running a lot of two-back sets. They were getting downhill between the tackles, and they had a ton of success against this football team. The Rams didn't have the personnel to be able to do that last week, so the Seahawks benefited from that. They ended up getting beat by the jet sweep by the Rams offense. As it seems like they do annually when they play Sean McVay's team. But nonetheless, I digress. This Panthers offensive line is one of the most underrated in football. I think they're a top five offensive line in the NFL. And so when they get after it, they can create a lot of push up front. And you get a back like Foreman getting downhill like a bowling ball, he can be really hard to stop. So this game falls on that defensive line for Seattle. Can you rise the occasion? Can you win the line of scrimmage? Can you not get bullied? Can you be the bully at home? So it really is a mono mono man versus man type matchup. You know what they're going to do. There's going to be some schematic stuff that you're going to do to try to stop those gap runs. But, I mean, you got to be physical first and foremost to get the job done. So I think that's really key one and key two because I think you stop the run game, you are going to get some turnover opportunities. And that leads into my key to this game. I am not a big fan of Sam Darnold. I haven't been since he played at USC. And so I, you know, I was one of the few people that when he was picked early, I was like, what are the Jets doing? Of course, that's what the Jets do with quarterbacks. Not that I didn't think that he couldn't develop somewhere, but it's been a rough career so far for Sam Darnold. He's been benched with two different teams. He got paid a lot of money last year and he hasn't done much for that money. Um, it's been comparable to what Russell Wilson's done in Denver, quite frankly, uh, very similar, but 
this is a quarterback that if you let him get comfortable, can do like most NFL quarterbacks, he can eat you up. He has some arm talent, but he's also got a lot of Brett Favre in him and not necessarily the good kind. He likes to throw into double and triple coverage, especially when he gets pressure. I have not been a big advocate this year of blitzing very often. And the Seahawks are middle of the pack in terms of blitzing. That's not something they've done a ton this year. This is a game, though, where I think bringing five or six defenders fairly often might be a good recipe to beat this Panthers team because Sam Darnold has historically had some brown rolling down his shorts when he's had pressure coming after him. And so I, I think you just, I think you've got to send the house occasionally. Don't blitz all the time, obviously, but I think this is a game where you can mix in some exotic blitzes, some twists up front. And I think you can create some pressure. That might be the only way you're going to do it consistently against this offensive line. that has got some young players in it. You can take advantage of it. So I think this is a game where if you can, uh, make the timing right. I think blitzing can be very effective. You can get Sam Darnold off his spot, and that is when he has been prone to being a turnover machine. And so put him in a position he has the heat turned on him and let him melt down because he has not shown in his NFL career to this point that he has the poise to be able to handle such situations. Yeah, I mean, he sees ghosts, right? And that's <laughs> that's the joke with him. Um, and the Panthers, are interestingly, are 1-8 when they just turn the ball over once, at least once, they are one and eight. So um, you get them, you, you steal a possession from the Panthers. That seems to be a good formula. And I will say one thing. Yes, I, I agree. Sam Darnold is, is not great under pressure. It might just be a one-off, but the game against the Broncos there, I, I just, I was doing some deep dives. He was blitzed 11 times in that, in that matchup for 11 dropbacks, I should say. And he was actually 7-for-11 with a passing touchdown and a 108.5 passer rating in that blitz. But the caveat is it was about five yards per attempt. So um, there's probably some yards after catch going on. But I'm just playing devil's advocate here. <laughs> I, I think that that's an example a blind squirrel finds a nut sometimes. Um, <laughs> that's probably his, what it is. There, there's enough history there. And maybe he's turned the corner. I mean, the kid does have some talent. I just, I've never seen him as a guy that I thought was going to be a franchise quarterback in the NFL. I didn't think he was going to be as bad as he's been. But you start with the Jets, that's typically what happens. That, that is where quarterback prospects go to wither and die, it seems well, like. Well, I also anyway, he, he only he only completed one pass when he was pressured without a blitz. So there's that too. So that, yeah, I, mean, I just think you get pressure on him. He is a quarterback that just melts. Yeah. Like yeah. Wizard of Oz style. And so I, I think that this is a game the Seahawks can get a little bit more pressure and crank it up a little bit with the blitz and they can have some success. Don't live and die by it, but I think maybe be a bit more aggressive than usual. Up next, we're going to get to our weekly X factors, what the Seahawks must do to win and our weekly game predictions. We'll have all three of those things coming up next here on our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This episode is brought your way by Prize Picks. It's week 14 of the 2022 season, and I've got Geno Smith staying hot with three touchdown passes against a tough Panthers defense. That might seem like a bold lead, but with Prize Picks, it's easy to play. Daily fantasy and put those entries to the test. Pick two to five players, and they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection. You can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Prize Picks offers projections on any sport you watch, whether it's baseball, NHL, PGA, college football, even boxing. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. With safe and fast withdrawals, 
It's currently operational in over 30 states as well as Canada. Download the Prize Picks app today or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for our Blue Friday show, my co host, Nick Lee. A special thanks to all the 12s out there, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. And for your second listen, make sure to check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. They've got the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, the take of the day, and more. It's available in the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Nick, we've got this big game coming up on Sunday. We're already to week 14, the 7-5 and five Seahawks looking to keep pace with the 49ers atop the NFC West before their rematch coming up at Lumen Field on Thursday. That can be a trap game in itself right there. Teams overlooking their upcoming opponent because you got a huge game in division coming up on Thursday. I don't think the Seahawks are going to be doing that in this game considering what the Raiders did to them a few weeks ago. I think Pete Carroll's going to have his team ready to play, and they better be because this Panthers team is playing much better than their 4-8 and eight record indicates as of late. They've really united underneath interim coach Steve Wilkes. They're playing great defense. The offense has been playing a little bit better, leaning on the run game. So let's get to our X factors. Which players need to step up and have a big game for the Seahawks to beat the Panthers this weekend? Nick, who gets your honor this week as the X factor? I don't know if this one's going to be an honor for him, if he ever sees this. Um, it's more of a calling out than anything else. Um, yeah, the Seahawks need to stop the run. I think we all agree that's public enemy number one. And also, um, we also both agree that pressuring Sam Darnold is a good thing. And a guy that can do both of those things is Bruce Irvin. And Bruce Irvin probably had his worst game of the season um, against the Rams, if not the worst, or if not one of the worst. Um, he earned a 42 grade from Pro Football Focus against the Rams. Two tackles was pretty pretty quiet. I'm going to need more from him. And um, I'm not sure that's fair since he came off, you know, came out of his living room and just started playing decently. <laughs> uh, didn't really have an offseason program, at, at least part of the Seahawks program. So um, I'm not sure how fair this is, but just given what we've seen from him, and then what we got against the Rams, you got to have a, a better game against the, the Panthers, and especially with all he can do um, and all we need, all the Seahawks need him to do as far as game plans and, and, and things that they need to stop. Uh, Bruce Irvin could play a big role. Yeah, I think Bruce Irvin is definitely a player that was on my short list just because he had to go back and watch the film and think, man, I missed some real opportunities in this game to make big plays. And his aggressiveness, his over-aggressiveness was used against him. Sean McVay was turning him in, and you and I have talked about this before, every offensive coordinator or play caller is looking for that rat that they can go after on defense. And I think Irvin last week was that rat, not because he's not a good football player, but because he was playing undisciplined football and that over-aggressiveness was, was creating openings on those jet sweeps and off the edge. He wasn't doing what we've seen him do so well this year, and that was setting the edge. So he took a big step back. He needs to return to his form. That being said, I think this game is about the middle. And I talked about this last quarter. This is that man-on-man -man type slugfest. You know the Panthers are going to be wanting, wanting to run downhill. So how do you combat that? Big 340-pound Al Woods, who has been really good this season. They've had their inconsistencies along the defensive line, but he continues to play at a high level. That being said, I want to see number 99 take it to another notch. I want to see him just flat out dominate the interior of the Panthers offensive line and by himself be a great wall 
of Seattle. And I want that to happen on the field because if he's able to do that, it's going to open things up for the three techs that are playing on either of him to be able to do some damage. The linebackers can be kept clean. And most importantly, we know that Big Al Woods likes to eat in the backfield. And so if he can get a couple tackles for loss on Deontay Foreman in this game, that's going to set the tone for the Seahawks early. If the Panthers aren't able to run the ball and they have to lean on Sam Darnold, that should be exactly what the doctor wants in this game. The Seahawks want Sam Darnold to have everything put on his shoulders with the receivers they have. I mean, DJ Moore's good. They got a couple other decent receivers, but this is not a star-studded offense. And Sam Darnold in his career has been very up and down. Get some pressure on him when there's no running game to lean on. Number 99 is a big part of that. Al Woods can be the guy that sets that tone early and everybody else feeds off of it. And so I don't know if X factor is the right word just because he's been so good all season at the same time. Uh, Can we just get a little bit better? Just be a little more dominant and really impose your will on a pretty good Panthers offensive line. And if Al Woods can do that, that can really be a game changer for the Seahawks in a game where if the Panthers run the football, it could be a real long afternoon for the Seahawks. All right, let's get to what the Seahawks must absolutely do to win this football game. One thing on offense and one on defense. Nick, going to swing it to you first for the Seahawks to win this game. We talked keys to victory last quarter, but in your opinion, what are the two things that absolutely must happen for Seattle to get win number eight? Quite simply, like we said, I'm cashing in the red zone. So specifically, I'm going to say be better than 50% in red zone opportunities. That means turning red zone trips into touchdowns, be better than a 50% conversion. Because when the Seahawks do that, they are 4-1 and one this season, the one being the, the shootout loss to the, to the Raiders. Um, so the offense was still performing very, very well there. And then on defense, the, you know, the, the name of the game is the running game. And stopping Foreman. And not letting him control the clock, control you know the rhythm of the game, and I'll, I'm gonna go give a specific stat: 150 rushing yards. Keep them under that number because when the Panthers do, or when the Panthers are held to less than 150 rushing yards, they are one in seven this year. So that seems to be a pretty good key is to limit the run game again. Make QBX whoever it is one dimensional, and that's usually a good recipe. Yeah, I was going to go rushing yards. I allowed you to do that, and so I'm not going to copycat on that. On the offensive side of the football, I'm not looking at time of possession. I'm not looking at third downs. Those are important, obviously, but I talked about it last quarter against this defense. They've had their issues giving up explosive plays in the run game. They have been prone to give up some big plays in the passing game, too. J.C. Horn has not been a victim. That guy has been phenomenal, but There have been some weak points in the back half of that defense for the Panthers when quarterbacks have had time to throw the football. So I'm going with the number six here. You needed at least six explosive plays. So I'm talking 16-plus yard passes, 12-plus yard runs, as Pete Carroll has coined for those two different types of plays. Those are considered explosives. You needed at least six of those in this game. So if you can get a couple of in the run game, great. That would be an upgrade over the last couple of weeks, especially with some of the injuries they're dealing with back there. Maybe no Ken Walker in this game. But if you can get a few explosives in the run game and then let Geno get rolling a little bit with the receivers he's got, you still like the matchups for Seattle away from J.C. Horn. And heck, J.C. Horn's got to deal with D.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. That's still going to be a tough matchup for him. So I don't know that Geno's necessarily going to back down from J.C. Horn and say, I'm not throwing at you. He's not going to pull an Aaron Rodgers against Richard Sherman type thing. So I think the explosive play aspect is a big one in this game, just because this has been a team that has not given up many yards after the catch. 
I don't know that this is a team you're going to be able to do a lot of long sustained drives against unless there are some explosives that are sprinkled in there. And I think they're going to have to pick and choose those times because there is talent on this defense at all three levels, but they have been vulnerable at times. And on defense, I mentioned earlier, like two plus turnovers in the turnover margin. I think this is a Panthers offense with Sam Darnold as a quarterback. He has been turnover prone pretty much his entire NFL career. He had those issues at USC too. Find a way. You've got guys on your team that have been ball hawks this year. Tariq Woolen, Quandre Diggs had two picks a couple weeks ago. This is a game where Quandre Diggs could have a really big game at home because Sam Darnold does like to take those shots downfield, likes to throw into tight coverage, and Quandre Diggs has been a player that's feasted on that. And they've also got a few guys in their team that in the past at least have had issues holding on to the football. And so I think this is an offense, as well as the Panthers have been playing as of late, compared to early in the season, they have issues with turnovers at times. And if you can ratchet up the pressure, as I mentioned earlier on Sam Darnold, I really like their chances to be able to coax him into some bad throws, convert on those, get a couple turnovers. I think if they go plus two in this game, it's a home run that they are going to win at Lumen Field. Force those turnovers, get a couple quick change changes of possession, and let Geno Smith and the often, offense go to work on short field. That is a recipe to beat a team that has been pretty stingy on defense as of late. So with our X factors, with those keys, Nick, What's your prediction? Did the Seahawks get that eighth win, or do the Panthers come to town and make it three losses at Lumen Field for the Seahawks this year? The Panthers have been a thorn in the side for a good part of a decade. Um, different eras, obviously. And, and I'm going to say, you know, the Panthers can run the ball well. Seahawks want to. The Panthers can can give it up if uh, the Seahawks are on their game. Darnold doesn't scare me, but I, I do expect it to be a lower-scoring affair just because of both teams wanting to do run the ball. And and control the line of scrimmage, control the clock. And so maybe that, that will mean some possessions are limited. Um, the number of possessions, I should say, are limited. So I, I may be a bit of a slog in a way, even though the weather is supposed to be okay. Um, so I'm going to go, you know, pan- make the Panthers one-dimensional. All the things we talked about, home crowd behind the defense. Um, it's going to be low scoring and close, but give me the Seahawks 20-17 to 17 riding that home crowd momentum on defense. Yeah, I've got the Seahawks getting that eighth win as well, but I've been saying it all week. It's very similar to what I said with the Raiders. This is an opponent. I don't think that Carolina's got the star power that the Raiders do. They don't have the all-pro premium talents on both sides of the ball. But at the same time, they've got a lot of really good young players that are getting better, that are being utilized better by a coaching staff that seems to have a better bearing of their roster and how to use their personnel. And so they're a team that scares me, and they still have something to play for. The NFC South is so bad that at 4-8, and eight, they are very much still in the discussion to win that division. They'd have to probably win out to do it, but they're still in it. So they have a lot to play for going into this game, and they've been playing great defense as of late. That being said, I just think Seattle with the weapons on the outside, and I just trust Geno Smith. I trust him to make good decisions, and I trust him to take advantage of the opportunities that are given to him by this Panthers defense. I think they're going to be able to run the ball some, maybe not a dominant effort because of the injuries they have at running back right now, but I think they'll be able to run the ball some. This has been a Panthers defense that has had issues at times slowing down the run game. I think the Seahawks are going to find a way to do that in this contest. So I'm going to go 27-16. I think it's a low-scoring affair, and Seattle is able to put some points to the board late to pull away. I think Carolina is going to hang around because this is a good football team. They will get some pressure on Geno Smith particularly Brian Burns. I just think the Seahawks are the better team, and I think they are going to show it in this football game. But it is not going to be easy. It is going to be a slog. It is going to be a slugfest. 
And they're going to have to play physical football on both sides to win this one. If they're playing passive and they're not able to control the line of scrimmage, the Panthers can easily come in and win this game. But I have confidence the Seahawks are not going to let that happen two straight home games. There's too much at stake going into that upcoming rematch with the 49ers. You don't want to let down and go into that game at 7-6 and six instead of 8-5. and five. I think the Seahawks get it done. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Nick at NickLee51. Make sure to check out Locked on Seahawks and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. We're also streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up on Sunday, a few hours after the final whistle at Lumen Field, I'll have my weekly postcast, dishing out game balls, three up, three down, key storylines coming out of the game as well. Instant reactions. You don't want to miss it. Thanks for listening in. Enjoy the rest of your Friday. Go Hawks.